Thanks so much for listening to No Lions Here with me, Big Panda. Hey guys, welcome back to No Lions Here. My name is Big Panda and I'm a recovering sex addict. All right, guys, back in the studio tonight. I have a really special guest with me. Um, I think I kind of preface this on the last episode, but again, I've got a really special guest with me. Um, I have Nate from BAI, Begin Again Institute. Um, this is this guy has honestly really helped me kind of break some break break through a lot of things that I've been struggling with. Um, and honestly, man, like I just I'm so happy to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate it. And welcome to No Lions Here. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. It's it's an honor to be here and what an intro. I really am grateful for that. Grateful to be here. And you know, it's so cool because I know a little bit behind the title of the show, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's neat to see you take that title and make a meaning out of it, even more so than what we were talking about in treatment. So it's so cool to be here, and I'm really privileged to be on. Man, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's, you know, honestly, the whole premise of the show started in in Boulder, Colorado at Begin Again Institute, you know. The, the name Big Panda, the name of the show, I mean, this was all stuff that I took away from that first time at BAI. Um, and you know, it, it's really turned into something just so awesome. Um, and I'm, you know, very grateful for the time and, and honestly, like the time that you put into me as well, like, you know, I, I I think I, I mentioned it more than, more than once on the show that the, the attention to detail that you guys give and you guys bring every single day that we are out there, uh, it, it blows my mind. I mean, again, you guys are remembering, little things that I had maybe brought up kind of that I kind of minimized or just kind of, you know, but you guys are still bringing that stuff up six days later. Um, so just, man, like, I just want to honor your, your work, your attention to detail, man. Like it's, it's absolutely amazing. It's amazing what you guys are doing out there. Um, so I guess where I want to start, Nate is, you know, what, tell us about Nate, what, you know, what, what, what's, what's kind of your story? Um, you know, what got you into therapy? You know, what, what did that look like for you? Yeah. Thanks, man. And, um, you know, like, like every story, there's a, there's an underlying narrative that's harder to connect to, Oh, like on top of the, the, the story that everybody knows. Right. Mm-hmm. And so part of what I've always thought is like, how do I, create a understanding of the two narratives the one that the world sees the one that the world sort of inhabits and the one that is underneath that service the one that only i can see and so parts of my story has just been trying to to go back in in time to better understand myself and better understand the the image that i wanted to put forth through the world and to find a consolidation between the two so you know, I um, I would have to start from the beginning and say, you know, what led me into therapy was largely my own experience in life. Um, I grew up in Denver, Colorado, 
in a family system that was, you know, it was loving on the surface and yet not so nurturing underneath, right? That's the sort of current that um, I lived through. And I was the firstborn son out of three um, to a very lower class family. And I think I took it upon myself to sort of be the peacekeeper in a lot of different ways. And I would sort of get really good at feeling my parents' emotions or feeling my brother's emotions and helping them understand uh, what the other one was trying to say. And that sort of became my role uh, growing up. And so as I grew up, I started to discover that, you know, I wasn't feeling too good about myself. You know, all my worth was starting to focus into the things that I could do for my family or for other people um, and not necessarily being seen for the the worth that I wanted to share with the world, like share the story of, of me. And yet I was so caught up with what would other people think? What mm-hmm. would other people do? What would other people say? So, you know, in high school, I started to really get some some image issues, some body issues, and I just sort of collapsed inward. So both of those stories uh, got sort of uh, railroaded at the same time, and I was just trying to work through it. And much like we have discovered through recovery is we start to believe certain narratives that we tell ourselves, you know, the negative stories. So I started to believe that, you know, much like classic addiction, nobody's going to love me if they see the story underneath the story. Nobody's going to want to nurture me if they knew what I was actually feeling or what I was going through. So on the surface, my story was, you know, all-star, cross-country track, editor-in-chief of the yearbook, all this sort of surface stuff underneath that was a really hurting kid, Mm. Um, not a whole lot of support. So I started therapy when I was about 17 and I wasn't ready yet. Mm. You know, I wasn't ready yet to, to be vulnerable, to have somebody kind of walk this underlayer story of my world yet. And so I sort of held back. One thing that my therapist did tell me was like, Nate, one day you're going to go to college and you might find that you can finally be free of the stories you're telling in your head because it's such a big difference. So I went to school and lo and behold, I discovered alcohol. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of my root stuff got suppressed and numbed. A lot of the hurts that I was sort of trying to escape got really turned down. Um, Alcohol became sort of a social lubricant for me. Um, I had a lot of friends who the culture for us was like, hey, you know, let's party. Let's let's go find the next keg. Let's go onto the hill. Let's go do this. Let's do that. Um, And so our worth kind of became interwoven with just drinking with partying with can you get through school hungover yeah you can it's not fun but you can Mm. so i i grew up out of that man and um it led me to kind of a more isolated path you know i graduated school um in 2013 for with my ba 
And I just didn't know what to do with myself. I, I just, I ended up getting a job at a bookstore um, just to try to figure things out. And I just was not really happy. I just couldn't get to the source of my my unhappiness. Well, you know, I, I ended up meeting somebody and fusing my happiness with hers. Mm. And like, as long as she was happy, then I was happy. And then that sort of spiraled out. I wasn't living in authenticity. I wasn't living in vulnerability yet. And so I sort of hit a rock bottom after that relationship imploded. And I said, you know, Nate, like, I'm not doing, doing well here. What can I do? Like <laughs> the number one thing that came up was like, just drink more, mm. man. <laughs> just keep doing the thing that has sort of been your crutch for at this point, maybe 10 years or so. And so it was just like, let's go drink some more. That led me into, I started work at a hospital um, for inpatient psychiatric um, stuff in Boulder, uh, Colorado. And there I sort of discovered a real passion of mine, which is just talking to people, mm. which is just sort of being present to somebody's story and then walking that path with them. Um, I remember there was a patient, I used to work some graveyard shifts and a patient told me, you know, Nate, I've never had anybody listen to me like you do. Mm. And that meant the world to me. It was like this huge surge of validation. And it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, what I can bring forth to people makes me really happy. So I started to investigate this and I applied to uh, CU Denver, one school, one application. I was like, hey, if I get in, I get in. If not, if not. And uh, I got in, you know, and I sort of started this sort of collegiate career becoming a counselor. And um, little did I know that uh, to counsel, the first and foremost thing that you need to be able to do as a counselor is be vulnerable, be authentic, mm -hmm. be real in the room. And so I was living that life trying to go to school and at the same time entertain a really, at this point, debilitating alcoholism. I was getting hammered a lot and I would sort of solo drink. It just started to really escalate to the point where I couldn't escape it. So in that time period when I was in school, I met my wife um, and she was a real person in my life that helped me figure this out, figure me out and help me unravel and sort of parse out those two stories that, you know, I'd started off with what's the story that I'm presenting to the world and what's the story I'm afraid to show mm -hmm. the world. And she was like the first person to like sit there and not, not be repelled. Or there was a part of me that accepted it too, you know, to have somebody. Mm -hmm. So I got out of school, man. And I was just bouncing around the hospital system again. And lo and behold, <laughs> I applied to one place and one place only. And that was BAI. And I got in wow. and I was like, wow. cool, this is awesome. Um, so I started doing the trauma work that BAI sort of puts its a lot of the weight into. Started doing this trauma work and I was like, yo, this is really, really awesome. I love it. This is a lot of fun. I get to connect to guys on really intimate levels. 
And the first couple of intensives I was working, I started to notice like, oh man, like I'm starting to get stuff from these guys too, like healing and connection mm. and validation and things like that, just as much as they were getting from me. And I started to think like, maybe this counseling business is more of like a two-way street, mm. you know? what the guys are getting from me, I can also get from them too. And I think that really just, it, it brought in a different dimension to counseling before I had ever encountered it or made sense of it or made meaning out of it. So I started doing the work, man. And, and uh, I should sort of rewind the story a little bit. I entered uh, recovery around 2018. Um, I had my my rock bottom moment at a house party that my uh, my housemates and I were throwing. This was during school and just kind of get onto that point where like, I can I sink any lower? I don't think I can. Mm. You know, I've really hurt those closest to me and it's time for a change, Nate. So I started doing the work around that time. I got stabilized. I got, you know, really clear. And that was hard. You know, that was really hard to get through. Um, now we can flash forward back to the story. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of like pause buttons, rewinds. Let's, where's the, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so as I, I sort of got used to the work here, I just said, like, I think this is what I want to do. You know, mm -hmm. this is like, I love being the guy that I needed for the guys coming into this program when I needed a somebody to talk to, when I needed somebody just to listen or cry with or to open up to, I felt like maybe by me being that guy for the clients coming in, then I can talk to my little guy inside, mm -hmm. like little Nate in there and say, see, man, you're not alone. You know, see, man, like, all that scary stuff that you were going through that what if they found the story underneath the story? Well, it, I can be read. I can be felt. I can be seen. I can be heard. Um, that meant the world to me, you know? Um, so I just sort of like, Hey, I think this is the, the realm for me. This is what I want to do. And I had a huge burst of clarity and insight and revelation around that. And, here I am, man. I'm doing trauma work. I'm doing sex addiction work. And I couldn't be happier, to be honest with wow. you. Um, I was talking to my dad the other day and my dad was like, you know, Nate, you haven't told me much about your job yet. And I, so I was like, dad, I'm, I'm happy here. And like that brought a tear to his eye because he was like, Nate, you know, I've been working retail for 30 plus years and like that is something that i've always wanted for you is to find a a career that meant something to you and i can see how much it means to you name that makes me happy so a lot of good stuff man um so that's kind of like my journey in a in a mini nutshell <laughs> i know we're going back and forth <laughs> but sometimes stories are non-linear right yeah absolutely wow man first off thank you so much for sharing all that with me man i Man, I was, it was so funny because as you were saying that, like, I was just, I felt like I was right there with you uh, that whole time. Like, I like the, the highs and the lows and the feelings and being like, oh, yeah, I know that feeling. I, you know, I know that feeling. Oh my, you know, just thank you for sharing that. You know, I had that, that, 
I feel like a lot of people can relate to that, right? Like a lot of this stuff that we talk about, and I know that the stuff that I've talked about too, you, so many people can relate to this, whether you're an addict or not. Mm-hmm. Definitely those like those underlying stories that you touched on, like that really hit me hard because absolutely that's exactly how I grew up too, that I've got to be this, but then I've got this also going on inside of me. And well, can't let this what's inside of me come out because again, the peace people are going to run for the hills. Um, and so I just I know that a lot of people can relate to that. Um, so that's really that's really cool. That that's just that's an awesome story, man. Again, I that's that's so that's that's awesome. That's the first time I've heard that. Um, and I just really appreciate you sharing that with me. Um, so you mentioned you know going to you know getting that job at BAI um, and doing kind of that work yourself. Is that kind of like the norm for you guys, like, obvi- mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you want to be, you want to know exactly, you know, what you're going to be doing, but is that like, hey, yeah, let's, we're going to, we're, we're essentially going to put you through this course before you kind of take over. Well, you know, each therapist has their own kind of wave, right? Mm-hmm. I think I can speak for everybody here is like, we really want to involve ourselves in a, in the story of you and the story of the client and to, to understand what was going on for, for that kid. We got to immerse ourselves in the details. That's why we're so interested in details. Like when was this happening for you? When did your addiction start to escalate? Right. Because if there's a certain year tied to that, now we got a trailhead. Mm. You know, what was going on at 16, brother? Well, you know, for me, my parents got a divorce. And my ter- parents' divorce was just uh, explosive, you know? And that sort of gave me a prescription on a way of life, on a way of relationships. And suddenly, when I did my work, I started to understand more of my story. Oh my gosh, like this insight's huge, you know, like, of course, a kid would feel overwhelmed in intimate relationships like I was because my, my blueprint for a relationship was one that was less emotional and more geared towards um, almost just a sense of existing, you know, my parents weren't necessarily this, this emotional validating, loving couple, they were kind of like, we're mom and dad first and a couple second, Mm -hmm. if not a couple third, you know, outside that. So when I understood that part of my story, then I could understand me. And so that's why we want to help guys understand them based on their story, as if you and me were walking that path together. And, you know, you might be seeing the the you know burning car on the side of the road and be like look at this trauma and i'm on the other end and i'm like hey man i see the burning car but do we see the sort of trail of smoke leading towards mm-hmm. this fire like what's going on over here and so the awareness and the insight i really do feel is connected to us wanting to inhabit the story to be connected to you guys um I don't think that a lot of guys coming into the program have had that opportunity just to to connect to themselves, be nurtured, to to be seen or validated. And especially, you know, the the one belief that guys will come in with is I'm alone in this. Mm. This addiction and, you know, your listeners and you and I know this is like this addiction will put us into the ground Mm. like an ostrich puts its head into Mm. the ground. 
you know, and if that ostrich is just stuck in the ground, he's not seeing that there's other people around him or other birds, I can say, <laughs> but there's other things going on in his world and his eyes are just covered in dirt. You know, that's what addiction is. You put your head in the ground mm. because, hey, in the ground, you're safe and in the <laughs> ground, you think you're safe. Um, so guys coming in, their na- number one narrative is like, I'm alone. And if people really knew me, they would disown me. They would reject me. They wouldn't love me anymore. Um, and that's the story that we got to get at, you know, and we get stories all the time around that stuff. So I think that's the big one, man, is like we really try to to understand the story, not only the one that everybody wants to show and share in the world but the one underneath all that stuff that's where addiction sort of thrives is this secretive mm. stuff the hidden stuff the ones that we want to bury that's why um the model we use the 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 program is designed to get at the root of this otherwise you know your plants still going to grow the leaves are still going to spring mm. And no garden will ever tell you, you know, like gardeners won't tell you like, hey, just clip the leaves of this thing. You'll be good. (laughs) You know, you're not going to find that. The same thing with therapists, you know, like we're not going to just treat the behaviors. we got to treat the root cause. Yeah, that man, that. That makes a lot of sense, and you know it's funny that you 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 come back to the root right there because you know I know I remember going before way before even BAI it was like yeah yeah I know I have this trauma here right and and I knew that that was a, a big part you know that was I knew what the burning car was I knew what the burning car was right but then for you guys to come in and be like oh well I think what actually was more detrimental to you was you know getting caught by your mom. And her be, being like, hey, well, dad does this, and she, you know, nothing happened. And mm-hmm. and I had not even, you know, I had not even put those together at all. Like, obviously, again, I knew the burning car, but I didn't see what what else either came of that or the other little kind of the smaller things, you know. It's getting into all of this, realizing that, you know, there's big traumas and little traumas. And that the little traumas can be just as detrimental as the big traumas. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember when I was there and I first learned that, like that just blew my mind. And then it just, it opens up your eyes to all these other things that I never even saw. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah, and those things are rattling around in there, right? They're still causing a ruckus. They're still causing some hurt and some pain. But, you know, the the burning car metaphor is interesting because it's like, yeah, we can see the burning car, but then we don't realize there's a little kid in there, mm. right? Yeah. Part of the work is to get the kid out of the car so he can finally be out of this burning wreckage, this burning trauma that's been plaguing his life for a long time. And to get the kid out of the car, you know, what's the sort of number one equation we have to remember is is, uh, intimacy is all about authenticity and vulnerability. To get the kid out of the car, we have to lean into our authenticity, our vulnerabilities, actually own up to this is a big trauma in my life, even if it's a little T trauma or a, a vacancy trauma, right? Like this stuff is, is in there. Um, like one of the number one questions I get when guys come into the program is like, 
they they say, you know what, Nate? I got no trauma. I had a, I had a perfect childhood. And I'd be like, all right, brother, you know, tell me a little bit more about this. And suddenly there's the tears. And I'm like, okay, you know, how is this rationalization keeping the kid in the car, for example? You know, so part of this addiction is all about living in an unreality that um, we get the sort of grandmaster keys to. You know, like this is the reality that I wish to inhabit. It's a reality that says I'm a shameful person. I'm no good. I'm just do damage. I do that. I do this. Well, that's a reality then that needs an escape, right? If you're just constantly in that world, gosh, man, that's horrible. That's a Mm. painful feeling. So your part of you, this addict comes in and he says, you know what? I'm going to take you out of the burning car, kid, or I'm going to take you out of the burning car, get in the Ferrari, let's boogie, and then I'm going to put you back into the damn car. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what addiction recovery is all about, um, is trying to rescue and understand and validate, provide the needs that you didn't get as a kid so that your addiction finally doesn't have to do that for you. Mm. Your addiction doesn't have to be the one attachment you want to trust most in the world. Um, you can start to maybe trust other people, trust in your counselor, trust in you, right? Trust in you is the most important thing yeah. there. So, yeah, man. Wow. Man, I I don't like the visual of it, but, you know, the, the little kid, the burning car, man, like that, mm-hmm. you know, that. That just that motivates me even more to get that little kid out. You know, the just putting it like that, like, yeah, that that definitely hit me. Um, so as far as like, you know, you get these guys to come in, and you know, you guys are so good at just like walking us down this path. Uh, you guys are it's it's almost like you guys are holding on to us, saying, hey. I'm I'm here with you, man. I'm here with you. I'm I'm walking with you. I know I 100% felt that way with you, like 100%. Um, you know, what's kind of your process as far as kind of like disconnecting from that, right? Because like that's I can only imagine, you know, being there with somebody, hearing these things, and and this person's being so vulnerable and intimate with you, um, and then. You know, we're all, you know, when you guys leave for the day, we're, we're all together with each other there at the house and, and we're with each other and, and, you know, we're safe, but you know, you got to get into the car, you got to drive home, you got to go spend the, you know, spend time with your wife, your friends, your family, you know, kind of what's your process like to kind of not necessarily take that stuff home with you to the point where it brings you down at all. That's a great question, man. And you know, first and foremost, I appreciate you saying that and being concerned about that, man, because, you know, that that feels good for me and that feels validating. And, and you know, I feel cared for in that that realm. Um, you know, part of what we do and what I do in particular is I want to be connected to my client in the room. You know, I don't disconnect at all. So if something strikes me and it makes me have a feeling I talk about it, you know, I've cried in sessions before I've been there with guys where it's just like, oh my gosh, man, I can only imagine what that kid went through. And now, you know, I'm having a feeling. So I'm plugged in, you know, 
after the session, after the day, you know, I have a lot of stuff that I like to do. I sort of try to meditate as I'm leaving the building and I sort of leave an intention with that, you know, it's like, I leave this, this stays here. It's not because I'm selfish or I'm, you know, I'm not a good person by carrying this with me. It's because this weight stays here. It needs to stay here. Otherwise I'm going to keep bringing it into my relationships and my family, my friends. And it's just, it's not, they don't deserve that either. Um, so I kind of imagine a weight coming off of me as soon as I leave the doors. Uh, you know, I'm usually bumping like some rap or something like that. <laughs> you know? So I'm like listening to a couple of songs as I as I walk out and you know, Wu Tang clan <laughs> is on the on the on the list, you know. So I dig that, you know, but um I sort of try to imagine as i'm driving away i sort of escape into a world too um i like to uh read books on audible mm-hmm. so that really helps me kind of zone out i uh i like all sorts of books but that book sort of helps me gear into like okay i'm not thinking about work right now um i'm going right on home and Uh, I sort of get that entertainment kick. You know, I've always been a big reader. I've always loved books. Books were like my first form of escape as a kid. So I get a sort of nurture a part of me that wants to protect me naturally because this reader of mine developed around my traumas growing up. You know, if I could read, I could escape. I can get out of me and I don't have to be present to what's going on in the real world. So this part of me wants to protect me, and I understand that. So the the reading and the books always help me sort of ground and focus. So I usually really do lean in onto my partner. Um, she means the world to me, man, and um, she has helped me so much um, through my time, through my experience. So we usually talk, and she's always like, she's like my number one fan. Like I really do feel like she, she's like um, my, the first person who's ever really believed in what I can do. Um, and so she's always telling me like, Nay, hey, man, how was your day? And I said, I, one of my guys had a breakthrough and it's just like, all oh, this like, you know, good energy. And that makes me feel good. So then I have two pugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I showed you the pugs. You did, I showed yeah. everybody the pugs, man. Like, <laughs> I love the pugs, man. Um, gosh, I, I have a boy named Bran and I have a girl named Mila. And um, they filled my heart up. My first dog when I was a kid was a pug. Um, and so I always have viewed this dog as like, this is like my spirit animal is this snorty little dog. <laughs> <laughs> <It> really is. <laughs> so yeah, like I, I connect with them. I connect with that source. And so, uh, you know, by the end of the night, like I'm kind of geared back into who Nate is and, and Nate's natural habitat. And Nate's natural habitat's one of of love and compassion and understanding. So, you know, that's a great question is, is how do you let stuff go or how do you let stuff slide? And the honest answer is um, sometimes you need to carry it with you, though. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do need to feel that. And it's hard to let 
let some of it go, um, inevitably that's going to sneak into what's, what's going on. And part of my recovery, part of what I do and try to be aware of is like when those moments where my feelings, like especially emotions come in and when the emotions, I, I can pinpoint them now, I could feel them. And it's okay that my grief comes in or my sadness comes in now. I don't react to it. I don't, I don't fall apart like I used to. Um, and that's just like the gift of therapy, mm. you know, the gift of, of recovery is not just sobriety. It's a different way of life. It's a different perspective that allows you to live in life's terms. And suddenly relationships mean so much to you. The, the most important relationships, the one that you have with yourself. Mm. So nurturing that, nurturing yourself, nurturing your soul is so important. It's so important, man. Um, that's something that I would tell everybody, not just counselors, but I tell you that I tell uh, all the fellows that I'm working with right now, like your soul is, is hugely important. So do the things you love, do the things that make you passionate. Even if it makes you scared, just know that, that you're having a scared feeling. It's okay. You know, but you can get through that. So yeah, letting stuff go, being present. Gosh, man, I was so not present my a lot of my life. Um, it's a gift. It's a real gift. Wow, that's uh and I think that you know, no matter what your line of work is, there's you can exercise those tools. I mean, how many people take their job home with them and, you know, that then affects their home life or and so I think I think that a lot of people can get uh, out of the just a lot out of that. Um, and, you know, it's funny, you, you know, you talk about, you know, kind of just like accepting those feelings. And, you know, before I came in today, um, I was talking to my producer and I was like, I'm really nervous. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Yeah. And, and and we started talking, I started talking through it. Like he was kind of like, well, I think something's wrong if you're not nervous first off. And he's like, you know, and I was kind of like, it's a good nervous, right? Like it's a good nervous. And I, I, let me just accept it and be okay with it. And that it's not out to get me, right? Like these, this feeling, every time I come in here, I get this feeling of I'm nervous. Or if I have a guy on like, you know, in the past, man, in the past, one, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair talking to you. Um, but also just realizing that, like, that's not going to kill me. That feeling is not going to kill me. And that I'm a human being and that I have feelings and I have emotions and that I need to just, one, accept them. And that's the biggest thing for me is pinpointing them, accepting them, and just being like, okay, yeah, this is normal. And, hey, man, this is not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. You are going to make it through this. It's big and scary sometimes. But you're going to be okay, though. You're going to be all right. Right. We get so used to trying to escape the feelings mm-hmm. that really, you know, trigger the somatic stuff. Like with nervousness, like probably that pit in your stomach, that racing heart rate, a little bit of sweat, whatever. You know, we get really triggered by that because it's it's pinging off of our old stuff. Mm-hmm when you got nervous or when I got anxious, you know, that meant danger, you know, instead now I can talk about like, Hey man, I was nervous because before coming onto your show, um, 
even so much I took my I took my shoes off. <laughs> the feet were sweating. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to stink my feet up. <laughs> but now I can talk about it and it's not so scary, yeah. you know, it's not so it doesn't go into the pot of the story underneath. It doesn't go into the shame. It doesn't go into this. Nate, you got to be John Wayne on this. Like, you know, you got to, you got to be this, you got to be that. And if you have a feeling that says otherwise, gosh, man, you're, you're weak, you're sissy you're whatever, you know? So now I can talk about how I feel. And you know, what happens is my relationships get deeper because of it, mm. you know, and, and people can know that what they're saying to me is generating an emotion in me. And that's beautiful when we can connect on that level. Um, like you think about some of the relationships around, like, say, traditional male friendships. Are you talking about how you feel like in the true earnestness, like some of the guys in recovery I've met can talk about their way that they feel? No, man, that doesn't it doesn't happen. And that's a sad part of our culture. But when we can lean into our feelings and guys in recovery find this easier over time, you know, that just deepens our feelings it deepens our emotions and it makes connecting over the hard stuff like the the anger or the anxiety or the fear so much easier and then we can finally start meeting some needs that our addiction's been geared towards for years if not decades sometimes um it just takes a while you know it takes a while to rewire your brain around the spots that have been so wounded and to tell those spots in your brain or tell your inner child hey it's okay i got this it just takes time because your neurons gradually they shift over time they kind of move and your brain is something called plastic right so it's very springy um and it 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 will sort of follow the path of recovery and it's sort of a constant you gotta nurture and you gotta feed your garden of recovery that you've just been pulling weeds out of that were representative of the addiction, you know? So yeah, being open. So, so important. I, I can definitely, um, I can definitely contest to that. You know, you, you mentioned kind of, you know, how do you, do you talk about your feelings with your male friends? And, mm. you know, that's something that growing up. Yeah, no, I, we didn't do that. Right. Like it, it wasn't about that. Um, but I can say today, like, I make a point that anytime I'm on the phone with a, with a childhood friend and I and I've got a lot of friends that I'm still friends really good friends with from my childhood. I make a point to hey man I love you. I love you. And they say it back and you know I know that I mean it and I know that they mean it. And we could not we could not be talking, you know, I could not be doing a check-in with them. We could just be, you know, bullshitting about the game that was on over the weekend. But you know, at the end of the conversation, hey man, I love you. And and they say it back, and and that's, I will say, like the relationships with my friends have greatly improved, just on such a deeper level, um, in being in recovery. And honestly, even before going to BAI, it was like I started having those conversations, Good. going Good. into it, and those have really manifested, and really, really, they're really re rewarding. Is the best word for me to say like rewarding because I know that whatever I'm going to tell this person on the other line or in person, one, I know they're in there, they're going to, they're not going to judge me and that mm -hmm. on the other side of it, they're going to love me and that that's going to strengthen our bond that much tighter. 
So something we, we, we figure out in, in treatment all the time, right. Is like when I am vulnerable, like I'm thinking to like when the guy, the the first guy to, to cry in group, right. (laughs) It's just like, everybody's kind of like on pins and needles and it's like, Oh gosh, here it is. (laughs) Yep. Uh huh. Yes. But then you don't realize like that first brave brave person to, to let the tears go and, and to be vulnerable. It sets such an attitude for the group. It sets such an, um, just a powerful vibe throughout everybody that it's okay that, that I can cry. And suddenly when you're receiving the affirmations, people aren't repelled by you. Like your, your top story or your bottom story might be telling you, um, that's true intimacy. You know, that's the real stuff. Yeah, and you, I mean, you guys do such a great job of, like, facilitating that. Like, I just, you know, if I recall back, I mean, and and it was like this the last time I was out there, you know, three weeks ago, you know, I just remember that first time I was there sitting in that room, you guys all sitting in front of us as a panel, and, you know, we've got this sheet of paper, write down your traumas, and... And, you know, just kind of being like, man, I met these guys 12 hours ago or in the case where I was out there last time, I was like, I met these guys 20 minutes ago. Um, and everybody just starts just un- un- unpacking everything there. And and again, you guys just do such a great job of facilitating that, just that environment, that safety, that there's a security there, there's... Mm. safety like i just i really felt that the last time i was there man like i was in a completely different place from february 2021 to august 2022 because i knew what i was going i mean obviously i didn't know the work we were going to be doing i had an idea but i knew that that environment was just so nurturing and safe and that whoever else showed up they're going to be right there with me. The therapist, you guys, Nate, Matt, I know you guys are going to be there for me. And you guys are going to guide me through that. And that was what really drove the excitement to go back and, mm. you know, go back again, you know, whenever I get the opportunity to go back. So, again, man, I just I just want to honor just, man, the work you guys do out there is just, it's absolutely amazing. Absolutely mm. amazing. It's completely changed my life. And I know a, a lot of other guys that have gone through the program would say the exact same. Um, you guys just do world to hear, man. Do They're such really a killer job, man. It's it's just so amazing. Again, I I, I said this already, and, and I do this quite a bit on here. I, I, it's just it's so amazing. Just again, the work and just the whole model that you guys have, like everybody. Uh, everybody should have access to this, like this kind yeah. of work, because this is the real getting down to the root of the problem. Whatever your problem is, whether it be sex, alcohol, cocaine, drug, you know, whatever it is, that it's all rooted in trauma. And I stand by that, and I believe that a hundred percent. I'm right there with you, man. And, I see us responding to our traumas all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And it's not just addiction work that can really, really change the game uh, for anybody. It's it's being in a safe space where you can just kind of unpack. I think that's where, you know, our tax dollars should be going, you know, like 
everybody gets six sessions a year and they renew at the start of the year and you use them when you need it, right? Just to do some trauma work or some general counseling or, or whatever, you know, like this is such a crucial part of life is, um, you know, there's a couple books out there that talk about um, sort of traditional healing practices or like how did, uh, say, early humans who were exposed to terrific traumas, how did they not get traumatized, you know? And it looks at how healing was done in a community. It's a mm. communal process. And what does this addiction do for you? It tries to disconnect you mm. from relationships. It tries to disconnect you from yourself so that you feel isolated. And so you're not doing what human beings are naturally inclined to do. Even if you're the most introverted person on the planet, you heal in groups. You do addiction in isolation. Um, and I, I really believe that our sort of group mentality, our group model, that um, one man's work is every man's work, mm. that's, it's, it's necessary and critical for, for recovery is to have a group, to have real nurturing relationships that are built on trust and, and compassion and understanding, like, you know, how many times can you hear outside of, of recovery circles, like a guy say, Nate, I love you and you're full of shit, you know, <laughs> like to challenge you and to maybe be that sort of force that you need in life that it's wonderful. You need groups. You need them. You really do. I'm, I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that. So, you know, so, you know, you, you apply to BAI. You know, you, mm -hmm. you get the job at BAI. Did you have any knowledge of sex addiction before BAI at all? Or was that like a fairly new concept to, to, to you? So I had a framework, you know, I had, um, I sort of haven't had my graduate studies. And what's interesting about that is in my addictions course, I took a whole class, a college level, master's level class on addictions. And these are called process or behavioral addictions, sex addictions in there. Um, there's not a whole lot of info on it. And a lot of reason why is it's not necessarily diagnosable um, or even insurable. Mm -hmm. um, to get treatment for this. And so in that sort of classical understanding, it's left out and to detrimental causes around the world. You know, that is, it's an unfortunate aspect of, of the way our society is built around data and assessments and all that stuff. So moving into BAI, you know, I had sort of a, a framework in mind. A lot of it though was understanding uh, another person's addiction through the lens of my own. Mm. And though sex addiction, alcoholism, they're different sometimes, they're still operating off the same principles, mm -hmm. you know, um, the same lack of attunement, the same lack of attachment or insecure attachments, the same um, feelings of shame in particular, you know, that's what all addictions feed off of. So in the room, my first couple of days, you know, it's never about the behaviors for, say, sex addiction. Sure, the behaviors are important. We mm -hmm. got to understand and own them, you know, and the damage that those behaviors might cause people. But it's not about sex. It's about needs. 
It's about a need that what was left unfinished or unappreciated or minimized or even uh, gaslit as you grew up or just outright brought you really unsafe conditions growing up. And so as I started the work, I started to realize like, hey, you know, this stuff is, is it's just trauma. It's trauma. And um, I started to treat the trauma and suddenly I could treat the behaviors instead of like trying to use the behaviors as an inroad into the, into the trauma. Sometimes that's valuable route to take. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not though. And most often I discover that it's, it's the trauma and healing the trauma that helps the fella find clarity, insight, and ultimately gives the choice to that person. If I am unaware of what's going on in my body and I know what it's connected to, I know this is paying off some of my invalidation I suffered as a kid or some of my betrayal that I experienced as a kid, well, suddenly I can understand now why it's so hard for me to trust my partner, why it's so hard for me to necessarily put down the computer because I am, you know, I'm bored and I can understand what bored feels like in my body or I'm lonely and I know what the board feel or not bored, but lonely feels like in my body. Guess what? I got a choice, man. How do I want to deal with this? Right. I, I pinpointed the need. I know what I need to do. I have a choice. So all that is to say, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of sex addiction experience as I started a couple of years ago in, in BAI. Now that's obviously changed. I'm sure. doing my CSAT work. Um, so I'm, I'm becoming certified in the sort of sex addiction world. And at the same time, the root issues are trauma. It's trauma. And if you can treat the trauma, then you can really treat the behaviors and you can find some healing. And then you can start to bring that healing that you find for yourself to your partner, to your kids, so that this stuff can you know, it was unfair that this landed on your shoulders, the traumas, the hurts, the addiction itself, and it can stop with you. You know, chances are your dad was experiencing this or your mom was experiencing this. Your grandparents were experiencing this, not necessarily this addiction, but the same traumas, the, the same invalidations, the same emotional patterns, you know? So yeah, it sucks that it's right on our shoulders and we can say, I don't want to pass this on. I'm done with this. I can be the one that says I'm enough. I'm worthy. I have value, you know, um, but trauma work, trauma work, something, something different. You know, it's not necessarily sex addiction where trauma work is, is getting into that person and sharing and the emotions there and being curious about that person and their pain. Because that person most often does not want to talk about the pain. Mm -mm. It's hard. It's yep. so hard to talk about the pain. But you have an audience and that person and the counselor who wants to hear your story, man. Unadulterated, uh, all the mess involved. And that means something. That means something to the client or or even to the counselor, you know, so trauma work is i think universal i don't think you need obviously you need the certs and, and the stuff like that but being a good human being is half the battle for trauma work yeah yeah that that that, that just reminded me of kind of i remember the first day 
of being there back in 2021. And you guys went through, you guys had us kind of do a family tree. Um, and, you know, I remember at the beginning, you know, that first day is, you know, you're there and you're like, what the hell's going on? I don't know. I am so overwhelmed. I'm this, that, and the other. And I remember, you know, we were going through the family tree and being like, what does this have to do with anything? You know, and obviously you guys were explaining it as it goes, but it wasn't until later on that it really kind of clicked with me to kind of, that's kind of a, can be a, a pretty important piece to understand kind of how this stuff has kind of flowed downhill how it rolls downhill and that if I don't do anything about it, it's just going to continue. I'm just, if I don't do anything about it, I'm essentially pushing that. I'm just, I'm pushing that snowball down Mm -hmm. instead of doing what I need to do to stop that snowball. Um, And that I think that that was really important for me to kind of just see again, just one, the time where your parents grew up, the time period where their parents grew up and their parents grew up and to go all the way back as far as you can and just kind of see how everything's just kind of rolled downhill, then it's like, then then the ball comes to me and it's like, all right, well, what are you going to do with the ball? Right. Are you just going to pass it down and kick it down the hill? Or are you going to stop it? Right. And it's like, no, I, I want to stop that. I, I want to stop this. You know, I don't, this mm-hmm. doesn't need to go any further. Let's yeah. stop it. And it's it's so cool that we're in a time where like it's all like it's ex- mental health is for lack of better terms it's it's cool kind of <laughs> I like, love it like I mean you, you know, like, <laughs> it's cool man I mean it? it's right like it's it's cool like it I can openly tell people hey I'm 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 in recovery I'm in therapy I'm working on this and this and you know yeah the addiction side of it too but also the mental side of it as well and just the the, the mental and how how mental it all really is. I'm just, I'm so grateful that our culture is starting to change around that, man. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of still in its fledgling states. You know, I, I, this movement probably towards mental health started around like 2018, 2019, you know, and thank goodness it did. Mm -hmm. Um, you think about how many men are just suffering, not just with addiction, but just mental health issues and afraid to come forward or afraid to talk about it because they've got stories in their head where it's not okay, or they have lived experiences that tell them, Hey, you remember the last time, you know, you opened up what happened there, Mm -hmm. right? Remember that that's the trauma speaking there. Um, but finally, we can have an open experience to find some healing. Um, and lo and behold, I'm willing to bet in a couple of years, we're going to see uh, if if mental health continues along the path that I hope it is, I'm really willing to bet that we're going to see a decrease in health issues. We're going to see a decrease in spiritual issues. Because all that stuff is connected, mm-hmm. you know, like the way you think about yourself is going to have an impact on the way your physical body responds, the way that your your soul responds to spirituality, whatever that might look like, you know, it's all going to go and, and just have this reciprocal benefit to it. 
Um, thank goodness, man. We're finally sort of being brave about mental health. We're we're seeking treatments for mental health, and 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 so, man, I got a lot of hope for the future. You know, as as this profession or this this field starts to uh, take more root and get the respect that I think it's going to get eventually. Um, it's just going to spell more healing for everybody mm. that needs it. And a lot of people need it, mm-hmm. especially now, you know, um, given the state of the world, yeah. you know, gosh, man, like um, 2020, you know, like I still think we're, we're reeling from the effects of that mm-hmm. and the isolation that brought in. And now you just have, it seems like division. It seems like uh, rapid social shifting. It seems like everything's kind of in flux. And that is just, it's hard on people. It's hard on the psyche. It's hard on on the heart. Um, I mean, even think about it this way, man. Uh, 2020 for, for our work, you know, for our field, for our community, 2020, there was a really big website. You know, I won't say it for trigger stuff, but there was a big website that made all their premium content free mm. when quarantine happened. And you think about like, gosh, they knew that this was happening and they wanted to profit off of it, not profit monetarily by it, but profit by the same mechanisms of dopamine. You know, you get them hooked on one thing, mm. going to keep coming back. So that's just uh, a little tangent there towards this this umbrella of mental health. Um, But I think when people start to take their mental health seriously, we're going to be able to catch more things done by these larger, bigger entities or these bigger systems when we finally lift the veil, you know. I think about like fast food, right? I don't have to eat... (laughs) (laughs) that's food all the time i don't have to because i'm in a rush why am i why am i in a rush well i gotta go to work i gotta get this done i gotta and then the cycle just continues you know the fast food you eat makes you lethargic now you start to judge yourself i'm on a diet uh my wife asked me nate did you do your diet today and i'm like yeah you know I ate that hamburger and now my rigorous honesty kicks in and it's just, (laughs) um, so yeah, man, just, I think our mental health is finally starting to go into the places that we need it to go to. Um, so I think it's awesome. I really do. Yeah. I, you know, with, with as crazy as this world is, I'm, I'm very grateful to be alive at a time like this and to be kind of getting into just kind of this community as one, someone who is working on their mental health Mm -hmm. and two Mm -hmm. is someone that wants to help other people with their mental health as well. Like I'm super grateful for the opportunity to come in here, talk about my problems in hopes that someone else can relate and that someone else can get something out of what I'm speaking of, even if they're not an addict, you know, because mm-hmm. I've had, I've had multiple guys that I know are not addicts be like, Hey man, I've learned a lot from you talking about anxiety and the self image. And uh, you've really helped me 
through some of those things, and I'm learning a lot by listening to you. Um, so it's just really cool that it's not only talking about addiction, but just more, you know, just more men's mental health in general. I think that there's just a big stigma around that, and whatever I can do to kind of show other guys, even if it's you know one other guy, hey, there's a different way. We just got it. There's just some work that needs to be done. And yeah, it's, it's tough and it's scary. And there's a lot of times where I don't want to do it. Um, however, I have seen the benefits from where I was at just one year ago to today. And it's like, I, I haven't even really, I'm so new to all this that I, I feel like, yeah, I've scratched the surface, but I have no idea what's really in store. And I'm super excited for what the future brings and what the future has for me. Fantastic, man. And yeah, I'll validate you, man. Huge, huge, tremendous shift in you since I first met you into the last time we we talked, man. And that means something to you, you know? Um, it's beautiful, man. It's it's growth, it's healing, it's it's you living your life now in the driver's seat. And you're making it a platform now where it's okay for other men to talk about this. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's not just us trying to affirm ourselves or hang in there, but it's it's actually a message of healing, a message of hope that comes across the airwaves wherever you're at, you know, listen to the podcast, listen to to what Panda's got this week, you know, it's it's great. And what a great work of service for you, you mm. know, like this is, that's why service is such a powerful part mm. of the steps, yep. you know, as to be of service to another individual means that um, you both are are healing. You both are finding that opportunity or just being of service to the community, being a sponsor, finding sponsorship, or it just, gosh, it just stands in the face of addiction and it says, hey, you know what? This is what real life is. And you don't have to stay in this, this pattern anymore. Um, it's great. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Last night, I actually, I got a text from somebody that was like, "Hey, I'm a little nervous to ask this, but you know, hey, could I could I come on the podcast?" And one, I appreciated that honesty. Totally understood where he was coming from, and I was like, uh, "Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea. Great idea. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out a time." And it's just it's cool that I've got you know that you know, the service aspect of this for me is like, mm -hmm. who am I to deny you this platform? Absolutely. If you want to come on and if you just, you just want to talk, no problem. No problem at all. This is for everybody. This is for anybody that wants to come on and share their story. And, um, I'm just, I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of benefit and a lot of reward from it. And it's just, again, I'm, I feel super nurtured every time I come in here, especially after I have another person on. I feel super nurtured. Um, I mean, I'm at this point in time, Nate, I'm ready to run through a brick wall. Um, so <laughs> um, I know we're, I know we're, we're getting down to the time and, and we're going to wrap up here soon. And I just, a little update on me real quick. Uh, today I'm three weeks over from inner circle activities. Woo. Feel, I feel really good. I've, again, I got a lot out of that last time at BAI and um, I am currently looking at houses. There you go, man. There you go. So that's wonderful news, man. I'm, that's uh, wonderful news. It's it's scary and it's exciting, and 
you know, I, the, the addicts running around in there still, but, you know, I've been able to kind of take away some new tools from BAI that have been really helpful to just kind of help me take a step back and slow down and Good. check in with myself. And, and it's been, I felt, you know, obviously it comes with its own struggles, but I feel like I'm on pretty steady ground right now. And, and I have, you know, obviously I put in all the work, you know, but I, I have you guys at Beginning and Institute to thank for that. Just the oh, care yeah. that you guys have taken of me, uh, the support, you know, you guys literally holding my hand while I, while I walk through some mm. of the toughest stuff that I've ever had to walk through. Mm. And that's something that nobody can ever take away from me. And I just, Nate, I, I, I appreciate this so much, man. I, I appreciate you coming on, taking the time taking the time to invest in me while I was out there and to walk me through this stuff and for taking the time to come on here and talk to me, man. It, it means a, a lot to me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot to me, dude. It, it really does. You're worth it, brother. You always have been. And it's just, um, I'm proud of you. Proud of you for doing this. BAI is proud of you. You know, staff's proud of you, man. <laughs> we listen to to Big Panda every week, man. And it's such a cool thing because I think you're just doing so much good for for you in particular. Not even just the, the listeners you have, but this is just good for you. Um, I think you're just taking taking the healing that you've experienced and wanting to share it with the world, man. And that's just, it's great. Great. So I'm really proud of you, man. Thank you, Nate. I really appreciate that, man. And again, just thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for giving me the time, man. I, I This was an, uh, an awesome episode, man. Again, thank you so much. You are always welcome back. I definitely hope to kind of do some more work with you guys in the future for sure. And, and um, you know, anybody else that's out there that wants to come on, you know, let's, let's, let's have them on. I, again, I just, I love working with you guys so much, man. It's been such a pleasure and such an honor. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, guys, that was uh that was an awesome conversation. I, I really I really enjoyed that one. I mean, I, I enjoy them all, but you know, getting to learn a little bit more about someone who, you know, I've I've kind of really only interacted with on a professional level. Um, that was just that was awesome to just and, and to be able to relate to a lot of his story. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to his story. But just to get that side of him, you know, that was that was really awesome. Uh, very insightful guy. Awesome guy. You know, that was the guy that I got to spend one-on-one time with um, in, a, in, a, in a therapy setting. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. I just I want to thank Nate again for, for taking the time uh, and coming on this. It's a Friday night. I just – it means a lot to me that I can get these guys to come on. You know, anybody that wants to come on and share their story. You know, I'm so very grateful for, for anybody that wants to do that because, again – it helps me and it helps other people as well. Um, and so that's just super important. So shout out to Nate again. Thank you so much, Nate at BAI. Um, you guys can find them at beginaginstitute.com. Uh, again, that's beginaginstitute.com. Um, they also, as Matt said in that episode, they also have um, kind of a sister program that is more kind of um, spiritual based. That's Boulder Recovery, and that is boulderrecovery.com. Um, go check those guys out. You know, you guys have heard me talk about them and just what they've done for me. 
You know, what they've done for me, they can do for, for anybody, um, no matter what you're going through. Again, this is an experience that I, I carry this experience like a badge of honor, being able to go out there um, and to spend time in that environment. Um, it's just, it was so important for me and anybody else who wants to do it, you know, that's, it's going to be one of the biggest decisions you've ever made, one of the best decisions you've ever made to go out there. So um, if you're interested, go check them out. Again, beginagininstitute.com or boulderrecovery.com. Those guys do fantastic work. Um, I am living proof that their, their system and that their model works. And hey, while you guys are on the internet, Go ahead and go check out nolionshere.com. Um, go check out the website, guys. Um, you know you can find meetings on there. Um, you can you can get in touch with me on there. Um, speaking of getting in touch with me, uh, if anybody you know if you want to share your story, you want to come on the podcast, please feel free to, to email me, man. Um, shoot me an email, uh, nolionshere at gmail.com. Again, that's nolionshere at gmail.com. Thank you so much, you guys, for for joining me on my journey. I really hope that you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed and got out of it. So um, until next time, guys, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you later. 